I guess I should clear my mind here a little bit and not say what I'm really thinking, but let me be clear. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. It's time for our main. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety Program. I'm Michael Duncan here with Comfortably Smug and John Ashbrook. How you doing, fellas? I'm doing great. Excellent. Ready to go for this show. I mean, we've got a lot. Everybody have a good long weekend? Uh, it was good. It was good. We had some sports. We had some family time. Um, you know, typical weekend in our house. Well, I mean, I didn't have a long weekend because I value our listeners and President's Day is not a day we take off. We take zero days off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. We're here Smug. in the studio no matter what. I appreciate you pointing that out. It is President's Day currently, and we're here in the Variety Program studio headquarters giving you the news of the day because that's how much we love our fans. We love you so much. So much. <laughs> you know and who You know who doesn't is apparently Josh Holmes. Yeah, he's not here. Yep, he's not in, he's not in <laughs> studio Unless, today. wait a minute. Oh, no. No. Oh, so sad. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I had a complicated weekend. Uh, you know, we got all that snow on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, made a snowman outside with uh, with Joey, our four year old, mm-hmm. and then you know took him to Lego. Uh, I saw the Discovery. Picture. I saw the picture of the snowman. By the way, I mean, it was large large snowman, serious snowman. I don't know if it was the exact right temperature or something. You know that the snow was just really sticky. But it was perfect snowman snow. Anyway, so we built that. Then we went to Lego Discovery out in Springfield, in and out of the car, up and down, all this sort of things. Anyway, somewhere along the line, I threw out my back, uh, which was really rough, and I'm still feeling it right now. But that's my dedication to you, dear listener. Still here. You're yeah, playing and, through and, the pain. And yeah. it's not like the the normal, like sometimes you can wake up funny and your back is messed up. It's like the pinched nerve kind, which there is no solution for this. Yeah, like sitting is actually the most painful thing. <laughs> there is no answer <laughs> for how horrible it is. When, but When you walked in here, you I could see it in your eyes. I could see it on your face. Your yeah. eyes are one of water because the pain is so real right now. It's it like when you're standing, you're standing sort of extra tall. You know, sort of stiff as a board. The, si- the sitting, not so not so great. But oh, oh, man. But you know what is great is the show we have for you today. That's right. That that opening clip. Can we talk about that for a second? Absolutely. Um, what is going on there? Yeah, so I think this is a prime example of we have a president who is completely incapable of the job. This is someone who is supposed to be the commander-in-chief. Like, uh, he's got his finger on, on the button. He's who this country depends on to make the tough decisions. And, I mean, he just doesn't know what he's doing because he's not all there. And that is beyond worrying. Like, it was brought up uh, after that disastrous news conference about the 25th Amendment. This shows to me, number one, is it that this cabinet surrounding him is indifferent to, like, that he's in the state? And they're like, we'll just run Weekend at Bernie's. We want to stay on power. Or right, right. is this the preferred outcome where they're like, hey, we can all run amok and do whatever we want because this dude's not there? Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, this isn't the first time um, Joe Biden has had a, a verbal slip up, Ashbrook. But um, do you think there's any real chance he actually gets replaced on the ticket? 
I'm glad you asked because I do have a new theory on this. Okay. Oh. I think the answer to that question is absolutely. Really? I do. And I think so more than ever. You know, on this show is where you heard for the first time the prediction that Biden wouldn't be the Dem nominee. And we're continuing on with that in a little bit more detail. <clears throat> Excuse me, in a little bit more detail today. Remember, <clears throat> Republicans' uh, convention is in July. Right. The Democrat convention is in August. So they have time, time to see who Republicans nominate and swap Biden for somebody else. And let me tell you a theory on how they might do that. Because, of course, Kamala is the vice president. And now she is, we'll talk about this in a, in a few minutes, about the things that she's doing to try to like exercise her authority in the Biden campaign. But how they might do it is Biden comes to a recognition that he's not, he's not up to serving four more years. And for the good of the party and the good of the country, he decides to step step down or I mean so to 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 not seek the nomination again right and then a, a party figure like say Barack Obama comes to everybody who's important and says what we need to do at the convention is put forward a list of a handful of names and convention goers vote on who they think should replace Joe Biden. So that means that they aren't necessarily kicking Kamala to the curb. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is giving her the same shot that they're giving Gretchen Whitmer and Josh Shapiro, maybe Wes Moore, yeah. a handful of other uh, uh, Democrats on the bench, maybe Gavin Newsom. Let's be honest, all better candidates than her. Right, but <laughs> it's it's a way that they can execute right. the presto changeo yeah without um looking like the bad i like guys. it i like that theory a lot with cyber attacks on the rise protecting your data security is more important than ever so why is congress considering a bill that puts your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks the durbin marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks also that corporate megastores can make bigger profits don't let durbin marshall steal your data Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So the Biden campaign's pretty active right now. Um, so I, I think we should just get right into it here. We're from Axios. Headline is Biden defends deadly Afghanistan withdrawal. Doesn't think anyone made a mistake. Heck of a headline there. Uh, from the article, President Biden is privately defiant that he made the right calls on Afghanistan in 2021, despite the U.S. military's chaotic exit, according to the upcoming book obtained by Axios. Biden believes history will look kindly on his decision to end the, to end the two-decade war, America's longest, even though it came at an enormous political cost to Biden, whose polling numbers have never recovered from the fallout. Mm -hmm. Well, this is everything we know. That was sort of the inflection point where he went underwater, never recovered. What are your thoughts? So to me, I can't imagine how it was for those who were serving and those who had family that were serving, who were over there for that. Uh, I, to, I mean, to me, it was a traumatic experience as an American, seeing that happen. Uh, I've, I've mentioned on the show before, I was in the midst of watching the Ken Burns documentary on Vietnam, yeah. right? And I had gotten right to the episode of Hanoi falling, right as the Afghanistan withdrawal begins. Mm -hmm. And... We're talking about history completely repeating itself. The same images. You see helicopters landing on rooftops in Afghanistan trying to get people out of there because 
we had been told by the president, we'd been told by his cabinet members that, hey, this is this is no emergency in Afghanistan. Everything is orderly. Everything's fine. This is they, they said point blank. This is not going to be like a Hanoi situation. And you could right. not tell the difference from that imagery. And it was horrific, not just to see it as an American, but then the situation gets worse and worse and worse because of the decisions that Joe Biden made of in the middle of the night ordering everyone pack things up. Don't tell our allies on the ground there. Don't tell anyone. Pack things up. Throw on planes. Get out of there. Do not do this at uh, a military base. Do this at the uh, like local airport. Yeah. Horrible planning, and the result of that is directly over a dozen American soldiers, military service members, being killed as a result of his decisions, and then him saying, oh, we will get those responsible, and he drone strikes a van full of kids. We have still not gotten any answers, any response to those American service members being murdered under his watch. Nothing's been done about it, and he's tried his best to hide from it. And meanwhile, the Taliban's driving around countryside in American equipment. That we were told, oh, now the equipment's operational. Well, they were flying around in helicopters. We left God knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars of our equipment, let alone the trillions that were spent there, let alone mm-hmm. the blood that was spilled there. Mm-hmm. And, and to have it end like that under Biden's watch, under his command, and him acting like nothing ever happened. Yeah. What's interesting here, uh, more from the article, article on Axios, uh, the book provides fresh reporting and vivid scenes on the Biden team's decision to exit Afghanistan and the internal fights along the way. Ward, this is Alexander Ward from Politico who wrote the book, uh, captures the subtle and not too subtle tensions between the State Department and Defense Departments in the run-up to the withdrawal. Biden was wary of the Defense Department, something Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was focused on remedying. Biden was partial to the State Department, <laughs> giving his time chairing the Foreign Relations Committee. His skepticism of the Pentagon grew after the Obama administration's debate in 2009 about the troop surge in Afghanistan. Biden felt the Pentagon boxed out Obama politically. Interesting. Very interesting. Maybe and, that sort of explains why no one seems to be on the same page about Bagram or this airport or how long it's going to take the Taliban to retake the country. Because I, I don't know if you remember this, but like they gave us assurances. Like totally. Afghanistan's not going to fall. Like We're mm-hmm. going to pull out and... Then, of course, you know, the Taliban will come in and yada, yada, yada. But like you said, Smug, we had to, like, run out in the middle of the night. Yeah, and, and we were being shown those maps of Afghanistan on the news, like, right. in the days and during the withdrawal, where it was like, oh, well, the Taliban's, like, way out in the outskirts <clears throat> of the country. And then it was almost like day by day it spreads, eventually going closer and closer towards the center, towards the capital of Kabul. And the whole time. These people are assuring us in Biden's administration that, oh, this is fine. The Taliban is not going to take total control. And again, this was a strictly political decision that Joe Biden made because he wanted to try and spike the football and say, oh, on the anniversary of September 11th, we're out of Afghanistan. Right. And he was willing to do it at any cost. And this was the cost, the lives of American soldiers and service members. Nobody did more for the Taliban than Joe Biden. He makes Johnny Walker Lynn look like a piker. (laughs) And, and I mean, that's the truth. And, yeah. and, and this, and, you know, the really sad thing is I've talked to a lot of folks who have served. I had friends who served. And in, in private, they are willing to tell you how they feel about this. But so many of our service members have such a dedication to this country and, you know, chain of command and understanding, you know, he remains the commander in chief mm-hmm. that he has taken advantage of that fact of the military is going to stand with the Constitution, right. chain of command, 
and remain silent as he allows to tell these lies to the public. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, which gives him the gall to be like, I didn't make any mistakes in this entire thing. Unbelievable. Lee Wolf, uh, who served our country as a Marine himself, our producer here, uh, made me this ha handy list here mm -hmm. of some points of discussion where we might disagree with Joe Biden that he had a perfect withdrawal. I can't wait to hear this. Telegraphing an exact withdrawal date to the Taliban, who had been closing in on Kabul for over a year. Tightening rules of engagement so much, a Marine sniper who had positive identification on the bomber who killed 13 troops was never given authorization to take the shot. That's just incredible. Actually, can we just pause right there, uh, Wolf, and, and can we play the Marine who testified to Congress that they had ID'd the Kabul bomber? Let's play that clip. I requested engagement authority while my team leader was ready on the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. The response, leadership did not have the engagement authority for us. Do not engage. I requested for the battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Whited, to come to the tower to see what we did. While we waited for him, psychological operations individuals came to our tower immediately and confirmed the suspect met the suicide bomber description. He eventually arrived and we showed him our evidence, the photos we had of the two men. We reassured him of the ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly, we asked him for engagement authority and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote. Myself and my team leader asked very harshly, well, who does? Because this is your responsibility, sir. He again replied, he did not know, but would find out. We received no update and never got our answer. Eventually, the individual disappeared. To this day, we believe he was a suicide bomber. We made everyone on the ground aware. Operations had briefly halted, but then started again. Plain and simple, we were ignored. No one made a mistake. No one made a mistake. Unreal. That's what Joe Biden says. Uh, more here from the list. Democra Democrats never make mistakes if right. you ask a Democrat. They, right. they, they, never, they never take responsibility for anything because no reporter will ever write that they did anything wrong. Uh, Joe Biden publicly committed to keeping troops in Afghanistan until every American and ally was safely out of the country, then abandoned tens of thousands of them, uh, consigning them to death at the hands of the Taliban. I still hear from people who, who went back over there uh, to get translators out, to get people out. Mm-hmm people that Joe Biden let hang from airplanes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember all of those pictures. He no, says I, they made no mistakes, airplane. not a single mistake. And I mean, I think that's the, uh, another key part of this is there were folks who were over there who literally put their lives at risk because they were given assurances and they believed that America would stand with them when America said, listen, if you help us out, we have your back all the way. And so risking their own lives, they're like, I will help out these Americans. And so that imagery seeing them abandoned by Joe Biden sent a message across the world that right. this is what happens if you help Americans. And then it just, it was like the start of opening the gates of hell in foreign policy where any dictator, anyone who wanted to cause trouble around the world, who wanted to cause harm to Americans around the world, we're still seeing the effects of it today. They've all been told Joe Biden, it's open season on Americans because Joe Biden's not going to do anything to stop you. No mistakes. Didn't make any mistakes. No mistakes. Um, you mentioned it earlier, um, uh, Smug, but uh, here, again, from Lee's list here, ordering a drone strike on an innocent family, then send, sending General Milley out to call it a righteous strike. Remember, that was our retribution for yeah. them murdering yeah. those Marines at the airport was we drone striked an innocent family and then no one apologized. Not a single mistake. Not a single mistake. Uh, I, I also think this one should be highlighted. Lying to the grieving families of the troops killed in the Kabul bombing by telling them his son died in Iraq. Like, 
we heard a lot from him in the previous week of he was like, how dare you say I don't remember the death of my son? Well, it depends on the room you're in. Yeah. If you're at an American Cancer Society fundraiser, you say, oh, my son died of cancer. Right. If you're if you're actually not looking at your watch and, and talking to the families of service members who gave their lives for this country, you tell them, oh, my son died in Iraq. He's, right. he's, I mean, there's no excuse for right. this. this. is this is one of Joe Biden's biggest shortcomings, that his son is somehow more important than other people's sons. Yeah. And he sees it that way. The guy has lived in Washington and been a part of Washington for way too long. He can't even deliver a sentence in front of a microphone. As president of the United States, he has to go now. And I, I told you, like, you know, for folks, realize he was a senator at the time Saigon fell in Vietnam. He's been a senator for that long. You would think— he would remember the outcome of that war and how disastrous that withdrawal was, and he just repeated it himself. Yeah, stunning stuff. Uh, I want to get to our second story here, the one that you alluded to earlier, Smash, um, about Kamala Harris. Uh, this from CNN. Inside Kamala Harris's quiet effort to break through the Biden campaign's information bubble. Mm -hmm. More than, more than more than two dozen sources tell CNN that Harris has been gathering information to help her penetrate oh. what she sometimes referred to as a bubble of the Biden campaign thinking, telling people she's aiming to use that intelligence to push for changes in strategy and tactics that she hopes will put the ticket in better shape to win. And she's like, can I be helpful, please? She That's has the thing. Ideas too. You know, she 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 probably knows a lot about a winning campaign. Yeah. She's got some ideas and strategy because. When she ran, she didn't make it to Iowa. Voters hated her so much, she couldn't even make it to the first primary. And I don't, she's like, I, I have some input. I don't know, Smug. I think she made one really smart tactical decision, and that was she called Joe Biden a racist that on was stage. A, that was the best and, decision she made. And then guilted him into picking her for vice president. It was actually pretty smart. I mean, I mean that might be her input. She's like, maybe if we say voters are racist, if they don't support me, yeah. this will work again. It worked for me once. <laughs> it's it, it's like Everyone knows in this country, and there's a reason that Democrats— are so hesitant to get rid of Biden is because they know they're stuck with Kamala. The only person more unpopular than Joe Biden politically in this country is Kamala Harris. And so that's like the catch-22. They're like, yes, we have to get rid of Biden. Oh, no, we're stuck with Kamala. So is this like a PR thing, you think? So here's, here, here's the thing. She's yeah. trying to make herself here's, irreplaceable. They can't. They can't. I think I think she's scrambling. Yeah. I think she's trying to to demonstrate some value here. Because I think she sees the writing on the wall mm. that the actual person who's in charge of the, the Democrat Party is Obama, and that at that August convention, the super delegates and the other delegates have the ability to come together and replace Biden on the ticket from a range of potential uh, suitors, mm -hmm. and that she would be competing against people who were more likely to get the support of those delegates. And I think what she's trying to do is head him off at the pass. I, <clears throat> I really think that. They are terrified of of the the polling that they're seeing. If you looking at if you're looking at any of these polls, Trump is dominating Democrats, and uh, it has a lot to do with Biden being on the ticket for them, and and they know that Harris doesn't really improve that situation. Do you think this could possibly be like a a, a kind of a reverse psychology thing where this is actually Biden loyalists putting these stories out to remind people, hey folks, it's Kamala. If it's not us, it's Kamala. So, you, so there is no decision. It's got to be Joe. It it could be. I mean, I think. I mean, ultimately, like that 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 press conference last week was a disaster. It really was. You know, and, and even the people who who admire the president are, think so. And I, I I just think the guy is going to come to. He's going to 
He's, he you really think he can be talking to handing over the keys to the car? I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. That's the thing. I, is I he's been so. so obsessed for so long. Again, I recommend folks read this book, What It Takes. It's about the 1988 well, presidential primaries. Book. And one you the, see one that. One of the greatest books. It, it's, it's, one, it's probably the greatest book written yeah. about in politics. Richard Ben Kramer. Excellent author. And it tells the story of every candidate. And the thing that you take away from Joe Biden is just single fixated obsession with being president of the United States. I mean, like, he wanted it more than anything in his life. The entire time you see how obsessed he is. And he gets taken out because of uh, the the plagiarism scandal, right? Mm-hmm. His entire life he'd been building towards the moment of running for president. And he's done it multiple times since until he finally got across the line. I don't. I, I agree with Duncan. I don't think he gives up the reins willingly. They're going to have to, like, time to a chair, take him to the old folks' home before he gives it up. Yeah. It, it would be sort of funny, though, that Biden's undoing is the same sort of behind-the-scenes cloak-and-dagger stuff that basically made him mm-hmm. the nominee after South Carolina, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. They all got in a room, and they're like, okay, look, it can't be Bernie. You know, it can't be these other people. we got to find a consensus candidate. I mean, remember, Joe Biden was doing so terrible, they were right in the obituary of his campaign totally. in 2020. 100%. He got smoked in Iowa, smoked in New Hampshire, and went straight to South Carolina for that rally, and then suddenly he's the nominee. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like you said, that that backroom deal, essentially, that the Democrat bigwigs had, and Jim Clyburn yeah. uh, mm-hmm. essentially delivered it to Joe Biden. And interestingly enough, last week we find out Jim Clyburn is stepping down. Like, Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he, he, he's done. So there's going to be the, the, the that. team that delivered it to him is 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 out. Who's going to save Joe Biden from himself? <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And we got a lot coming up here on Ruthless. Uh, Trump launches his shoe line. He's got a new shoe line out. Have you yes, guys seen does. this? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I've uh, seen him. Kicks. OpenAI has some wild AI generated video content. Uh, you're going to want to see that. And if you're not on YouTube, you should definitely be on YouTube because, like. All of the variety we got here in the old variety program, it looks a lot better on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a man was fined for carrying a huge python in his pants. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure that sure tough that. times. <laughs> Shouldn't he be celebrated? Oh no, where where was? <laughs> Knowing my pals, I'm sure this will be a, a G rated segment. Uh, and finally, Democrats want to increase the minimum wage again. Wow. And I know a little bit about this story. It is wild. Uh, let's get right into the uh, Trump campaign. Um, uh, they were ordered, uh, Trump was ordered to uh, pay over $350 million, uh for that business fraud case in New York. This was the bench trial, right? And they were uh, accusing him of inflating financial statements in order to secure these loans, loans which he had repaid. Um, but yeah, this was uh, the last civil a big civil case we were sort of waiting on. And yeah, I, no, nothing political ahead. about that judgment. Yeah. That's sort of a routine <laughs> routine fine that's handed down from, you know, court to court. And uh, <laughs> to, to put that in perspective, folks, that $350 million fine is more than the cost of the Louisiana purchase after inflation. Mm. <laughs> after, yeah, after, after inflation. inflation. $350 million is but, more than the Louisiana purchase after inflation. Also, it's important to note that when he, they talk about these bank loans that were repaid, folks from these banks came forward and said, we think the valuations were sound. Uh, we're paid back. We don't know what's happening here. We don't, we don't understand the reason for this. Yeah. And because there is no reason for this, except what Ashbrook said, politically. There yeah. is, that's the reason for this, the reason that so many of these Democrat prosecutors who ran on 
I'm going to sue Trump. For what reason? Uh, we'll find one. Did you see, uh, I don't know if maybe you guys saw this, but Kathy Hochul over the weekend was fielding questions from a lot of wealthy people in New York, all, a lot of whom are probably Democrats, concerned that they might fall victim to the exact same thing that Trump was hit with. And she told them, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, that's it. I mean, that's it right there. Right. If, if, if you're a member of the Democrat Party, if you're a good donor, if you're a good soldier, if you're a good voter, you have nothing to worry about because the system of justice in these blue states, yeah, y- you could commit all, whatever you want. She's like, let me assure you, we, in fact, do have two systems of justice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have nothing to worry about. Please continue donating. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let me just get to some of the details here uh, from Politico. The judge overseeing Donald Trump's uh, civil fraud trial issued him a $354 million penalty on Friday, barred him from running a business in New York for three years, uh, finding that for roughly a decade, Trump orchestrated massive business fraud by falsely inflating his net worth to obtain favorable rates from banks and insurers. The verdict laid out in a 92-page ruling. 92-page ruling? Are you kidding me? Like, what is this? It's because these people are waiting for this moment. They've been waiting for this moment. (laughs) Uh, strikes at the heart of an aspect of Trump's identity that he harnessed in his 2016 presidential run, his personal wealth and his success as a businessman. I also saw um, that his sons have to pay a fine, a couple of million bucks each as well. Uh, So, I mean, look, uh, obviously this is a political verdict in this this case, um, you know, will hurt Trump's pocketbook. I mean, this is a serious chunk of change. And mm-hmm. also, uh, I read this story. I can't remember which. It was a, a great conservative attorney who was going through the ruling and saying this is a very interesting wrinkle that you don't typically see is, yes, he's allowed to appeal the decision, but they're demanding the $350 million to allow him to appeal. He's like, I haven't seen that before. Like, huh. they are basically— Wait, they, they want the money? If, if you pay us the money, you can have your constitutional right to appeal you, the that, judgment? This is how outrageous this is and how— in it, we talk about lawfare. This is clear as day, and I would be, you know, that's not that's not. Thank God I don't live in a blue state anymore. It's just because a, there is definitely no rule of law left in those blue, in those blue states. Blue states are falling apart. Not only is this happening, I didn't. This wasn't on our show sheet, and I, I I'm sorry to, to raise this. Did you see in San Francisco there is a person who was appointed to the board of elections who is not an American citizen? Oh this my is. God. <laughs> This is a woman from China oh. who is on the board of elections. <laughs> what? Sworn in, not an American citizen, can't even vote, and yet is determining the course of elections. And I think I think the best <laughs> way to go. save democracy Blue are falling apart. If we want to save democracy, you, foreign Chinese citizens yeah. put in charge of our elections. Right. That she, seems she, like the she, most democracy. She thing certainly possible. had a lot of experience with open and fair elections in China. <laughs> You know, I would love to see her CV. I mean, what a joke. Um, but I mean, it just shows you these blue states are out of control. They are. Duncan, sorry. Uh, let's, let's get into the fun part of the Trump news here. Um, this is uh, from Axios. Trump's high top sneakers sell out after, uh, hours after launch. Uh, former President Trump's high top sneakers sold out hours after the launch Saturday at SneakerCon in Philadelphia. SneakerCon. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I, I saw a video of this. Did you see the video of his no, ass? I so saw it. it's a massive, massive convention because you know there's a lot of people who like it's collect. A real, it's a real thing, like Air Jordans and such mm-hmm. like that. So uh, this massive convention of people. This is not like a Trump rally where it's like you know a home crowd of, of folks who are cheering him on. Right. This is a sneaker convention. So there's like five or six people who are like, "Boo! What the hell's going on?" And then like 
thousands of people start cheering. And Trump's like, these are my shoes. They're the best shoes. Many people have said this is the best appearance that's <laughs> happened at SneakerCon. There's, there's a woman crying in the front. Thank you so much. It what? was He turned a sneaker convention into a Trump rally. That's nope. awesome. It was unbelievable. Nobody is better at that move than him. No, no I mean, they're, they're, he really understands how to capture people's attention in a in sort of like ways that that other people don't even consider. And, and I mean, the following that he has, I, I think you know, to stress, this was not a Trump rally. The ability that he can command such a following in any audience, even when he's not there. There's uh, y'all folks have probably heard about the Barrett Jackson. Auto yeah, of auctions that they yeah. have, yeah. like all these exotic cars, great cars. So I saw one the other month where he had a Lamborghini Diablo. Wait, Trump had one? Yeah. It, well, he didn't show up. Trump he, had a Lamborghini in the Barrett-Jackson auction? Yeah. So he had sold this like blue Lamborghini Diablo from, I want to say it was like the late 80s or hmm. early 90s to somebody and they put it up for auction. So it was known as Trump's Lamborghini, right? Get out of here. And I mean, it sold for like three times what a normal one goes for. And the crowd was packed. And as soon as, you know, the gavel dropped, the car was sold for over a million bucks, half the crowd just left. They were all there just to watch his Lamborghini get auctioned. Is that is that like Meekum? Dude, you dude know? Yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah. nothing confirms his status as Boomer King, quite <laughs> like <laughs> selling a Lamborghini at Barrett-Jackson, where all these other boomers are watching it on Saturdays. I, I, dude, I'm not even a boomer. I watched Barrett-Jackson. Yeah, and, and it's pretty yeah. cool. Half the crowd in the audience leaves after his Lamborghini sold. They showed up to watch his Lamborghini be sold. I got to say, watching that stuff on TV, I find it very soothing. Yeah, you know, it's oh, sort of like totally. watching. It's like watching golf. Yeah, you know, you know it's and a nice so, way like, to relax. If he can show up to a sneaker con, and like you saw. They were sold out within two hours, is what I saw. Can we? Can we? Yeah, let's, uh, let's, can we get an image? Let's of, show of those the, shoes? the high tops. For folks on YouTube, this is you know enjoy these. Okay, so this is okay. the the main one that he brought on stage. Four hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks. It's like all gold, of course. Yeah. Right. It's got the American flag on there. These are the ones that were sold in sold out in, within two hours. Mm. And then there were a couple more. Can we get one of the other ones? So this okay. is the white on gold. Okay, two hundred bucks. Yeah. So so these are uh, look like sort of like a sleep uh, like a slip on low top boy like like an Allbird or something. So I pre-ordered these. You ordered them. <laughs> you know it. And then uh, can we get the other one? So these are the red red ones. Huh. Also looks like pre-ordered these. So I'm looking forward to. You ordered the supporting. white and the red. Yeah. Well, you know, some days you want the white Trump sneakers. Some days you want the red Trump sneakers. Looking forward to to wearing these this fall, supporting dude, our okay. presumptive candidate. Good for you getting that in early because they're probably sold out. That's now the thing. Too, they're, right? Like they're going for five thousand dollars on eBay. Wow. So, so wait, <laughs> are you are you, gonna sell, are you gonna sell those on Hell eBay? Hell no. Hell no. I don't know Hell about no. I don't know about the gold ones. If I'm being that's, honest, with that's that's why I didn't want the gold ones. I don't. It's a bit much. It's a bit much. <laughs> I mean, they're they, they it look looks, like those bronze shoes. Yeah, you know, they're <laughs> like they're bronze baby shoes, except you wear them. I, they look. They look like the sort of uh, like boxing shoes that Apollo Creed would wear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, they look they exactly look like, like Apollo shoes. Creed shoes, or, or or like or like a, a you know the old Air Jordan ones. Like somebody just took yeah. a bunch of gold spray paint to them, yeah. and they're uh, I mean they're something. They're yeah. d they're, they're definitely uh, yeah. a collector's 
piece. Yeah. Very, uh, very they interesting. Are, and, but, but you know what, man? I When I was a kid, I wanted Reebok pumps. I didn't get them. I wanted Air Jordans. I didn't get them. I wanted Air Hirachis. Hold on. I don't on. know if anybody remembers. Hold on. Shoes. I didn't get them. I'm not going to get these. The, the, I, I, don't, I don't buy... You know, like I didn't, I, w- I wasn't getting those when I was a kid. I'm not buying them. Reebok, Reebok pumps were the one with the the ball on top. Yeah, you, yeah, and you yeah. pumped them up. Yeah. yeah. So like you would, you'd pump it up and then see if you could dunk it. Yeah, and if you were walking out on the court with those, everybody was like, "Man, this guy, yeah. maybe he's 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 good." Yeah, it's gonna make you jump higher. Play but better. <laughs> I didn't get those. I'm not gonna get these. Um, I'll let you try mine on. Size oh, 13s. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> well, you know what? You should you should sign them and put them on put them up for I, I want him to sign them. President Trump, I hope you're listening. What if you what if you guys co-sign them? Uh, well, then that would go for like, you know, 500,000. Well, I think I think if we could get him in here for an interview, we should have you sign them and he sign them and maybe we could uh, auction them off for charity. Would you I'll, I'll would you, you be that. willing to give them up? I'll tell you that. I will if if he's willing to sign them for charity, I'll let him pick if he wants the red ones or the white ones. We will mm. sign them and, and auction them for charity, 100%. Great wow. Idea. Great idea. Yeah. You're such a philanthropist. Yeah. I always try to help. Uh, you guys ready for some variety? Always. Okay. Well, we got lots of good stuff. Open AI unveils uh, AI that instantly generates eye-popping videos. Is this like the wave of the future, like AI everything? I know you're opposed to the robots, Ashbrook. What do you think about this? Um, I mean, I here's the thing. I think AI is bad. I think robots are bad. That's why, you know, if you're going to listen listen to me, I would take us back to the 1980s, 1990s when life in America was a lot better than it is today. But, you know, Smug, you, maybe you have a, an opinion on <laughs> yeah. where I mean, mine's, where the, mine's the absolute opposite opinion. So initially, you know, years and years and years ago when we first started seeing, like, oh, all these robots and stuff, I was like, this is going to be like Westworld. This will end in disaster. But then I thought a couple of things. Number one, you know, this is starting to feel like the same way of when we switch from horses to cars. People are like, oh, my God, cars are going to kill us all. This is dangerous. I yeah. can trust my, you know— stable horse now we know horses were the real problem to begin with <laughs> so if we don't harness this we'll stay back and, and beyond that if we don't harness this china will well i agree that we should be the ones who are leading on this instead of china and i always believe any like technological it. advance any weapon any breakthrough america should have before any other country because we're the most capable with power by far in this world unless until this president showed up and also, folks, I think you should see these videos. The, the 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 AI is called Sora. Can we get can we get some of these videos on the screen for the? Okay, so what you're seeing here is like a dancing kangaroo, and this is this is not generated so like this a, isn't like, pic, this isn't Pixar. No, oh, wow. And, and here you're seeing it, video like photorealistic puppies playing in the snow. This is not actual puppies playing in the snow. This someone typed in, show me like golden retrievers playing in the snow. And it spits this out. Wow. Wow. It's so real looking. It's unbelievable. And so this is going to, I mean, and oh you're seeing gosh. here, it's like two cans on a tree. This looks so real. Well, and it's it's panning into them. Yeah. And it's like not clipping at all. Nope. It doesn't look weird. And see, that's the thing is they can create like these are little red pandas that are small enough to run around on a table for the folks who are listening. It all looks real. It's crazy. And this, so this is the one that really impressed me is it looks like you've got like a drone footage, maybe in Maine or somewhere near yeah. a lighthouse. It looks so real. To me, the first industry that this is going to totally change is stock footage, especially, mm. you know, oh, yeah. how much campaigns have to pay for stock footage to license it. If you want an ad and it's like, oh, you know, show me like uh, 
from sea to shining sea. Yo, right? you, you, you know what the uh, famous one is that's in all the ads? And if you work on campaigns, you'll recognize this immediately. Young boy waves American flag in wheat field. I've mm. seen that in 100 ads. <laughs> and that's the thing is you type or, that into a prompt now and you don't have to pay to license it. You don't yeah. have to hire a cameraman to shoot it. Yeah. That's, that's or if you're, be watching, if you're watching Fox Biz, the money printing. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, a for, for a lot of this, it's going to make campaign ads cheaper. People who make their own, you know, like YouTube videos, if you want stock footage, you can get it done like that. You don't have to pay for the licensing. To me, that's going to be the first thing. And, you know, of course, the first thing that a lot of the left jumped on is, oh, my God, uh, the Russians are going to use this for election interference. Like, you know, it's an election year when they start bringing up that kind of garbage. Like, yeah. oh, this is going to be election interference. That's absurd. That they always want to jump into how can we control something for ourselves politically. The same way they tried, they had control of Twitter in the previous election, and we were told, oh, Hunter Biden's laptops, Russian disinformation. They always want to control information. And you saw um, uh, when this was unveiled, there was a discussion like Sam Altman, Mark Andreessen, and uh, even Elon Musk jumped in this discussion where he said uh, liberty is when you take a power and distribute it to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And authoritarianism is when you try to centralize right. that power. And I think that in, uh, is the essence you have between the right and the left right now, where Liberty is we want everyone to be able to have their voice, have their say, and Democrats always try to fear monger and say, no, 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 only one select group of us should be able to control it, which is why I think, you know, this is amazing technology. It should be distributed as wide as possible. Is, is there some day this puts Hollywood out of business? Because oh, I'd be all God, for that. That would be wonderful. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be great. I would that, I would really hope that happens. We wouldn't have to listen to their dumbass political opinions anymore. Yeah. Strip and, them and, of their power. I mean, they're bankrupting themselves with that woke garbage as is. Do you think there's a, a correlation? between uh, the development of this technology and maybe the writer's strike? Do you think some, like, <laughs> do you think some nerds went in the lab and they're like, man, fuck these actors? Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, that's a big problem is, the re like, you saw these, uh, the Disney superhero movies are all flopping now because they're all just, like, woke garbage and no one wants to be lectured anymore. Like, we're seeing that with the DEI. No one wants to be lectured in the same ways. The budgets for these movies is so huge, they have to make, like, a billion dollars to break even. Right. This technology doesn't... Again, if you're just listening to this on audio, just like go to the YouTube and check this out. We're not talking about like Pixar here yeah. or, or DreamWorks. We're talking photorealistic yes. video yes. that is AI generated. It, and I, I mean, I cannot stress enough how real it looks. And to be able to just type that into a prompt, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. I hate it. We need, we need to go to war with the robots. We will be at war with robots before we die. I, I think so. Uh, okay. Well, here's a, another war going on. Climate change is fueling a new type of anxiety, therapists say. Uh, when psychotherapist Caroline Hickman was asked to help a child overcome a fear of dogs, she introduced them to her labradoodle, Murphy. Quote, you get the child to feel confident in relation to the dog and teach the child to skills to manage a dog, she says. You build the skills, build the competence, build the confidence, and then they're less scared of dogs generally. Climate anxiety is a different beast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one, one minute ago, I predicted a war against the robots, and after hearing this, I predict we lose. Yeah. <laughs> People cannot keep things going if this right. kind of delusion is what's driving our society. And that's the thing. When she says climate anxiety is a different beast, it's because this isn't anxiety. This is psychosis. Yeah. These people are have been told, like uh, AOC made that prediction that if we don't enact all the policies we want in four years, every volcano is going to explode and this world's going to blow up. We're still here. Like 
their whole the, the, the whole climate scam is based on scaring people into believing the world will end unless you do whatever they want. And all they want is for us to make everyone miserable. Yeah. Get rid of electricity. Get rid of your gas stoves. Live in the darkness with candles on. Do what they say. Give them all the power. Then we'll be okay. And the only people who buy into this are people with mental disease. What, what I love, uh, just to read that headline again, is climate change is fueling a new type of anxiety, therapists say. It's like, you know, a hammer saying everything's a nail sort Bingo. of thing. <laughs> it's like you're going to go out and find a bunch of therapists who sell their services right. to patients, and they're going to declare that, that there's a new right. stream of patients that need their services. And they're not going to tell them the truth to fix it of like, no, no, no let's not. be serious. Look at all these predictions that have been wrong. You've got nothing to worry about. They'll say, okay, and how does it make you feel when you think that the world's going to end in a year? And they're just going to keep the going. Okay, I'll, well, I'll see you next week. We'll keep this going. That's exactly it, Duncan. And, and I'm going to go one level further. When you have journalists writing this article, mm -hmm. it's kind of like yeah, the murderer returning the to, the, to the scene of the crime. Because they're the ones who've been putting out this nonsense of That's like, right. wow, if we don't get rid of gas stoves, you're all going to die. They're you, responsible for this psychosis. you got to hear more from Bloomberg here. It says, uh, in the most critical cases, climate anxiety disrupts the ability to function day to day. Jesus. Oh children, children and young people in this category feel alienation from friends and family. We're going to get throttled by the robots. Just distress when thinking about the future and intrusive thoughts about who will survive, according to Hickman's research. Not we, them. Like, so, I mean, this isn't stuff that just happens in a vacuum, right? No. Like, young kids worried about who's going to survive in the apocalypse. And that's the thing is, you know, a lot of this, I mean, we've seen it with the whole gender, trans things that you have kids now identifying as it. This is basically the parents and their, like, it's like was right. it Munchausen by proxy. It's yeah. the parents' mental problems that are being pushed onto the kid because kids don't believe that the world is going to blow up. It's their parents that believe it who've been pushing this agenda on their kids, scaring their kids, scarring their kids in the same way you see it with the, like, gender uh, thing. And this is a significant problem. There are kids across this country yeah. whose parents are scarring them for life. When we were kids, we were told if you care about the environment, pick up trash. Yeah. Recycle. Recycle. Yeah. You plant a tree. Do, do something about it. Yeah. Now these kids are being told there's nothing you can do. It's all over. Yeah. Go go throw paint on the Mona Lisa. Go glue yourself to the road and start traffic. Yeah. What, what, hap <laughs> what happened to just like, uh, you know, clipping the plastic from the six pack of Coke? Right. You know? Do, do something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we got to get to this next story because uh, this is what everybody's waiting here for with bated breath uh, from AP. Caught at border with pythons in his pants. Wait, New York two? City man what? fined and sentenced to probation. A New York City man who attempted to smuggle three, three, three. Burmese pythons in his pants through a U.S.-Canadian border crossing. <laughs> <You can't. laughs> was sentenced Wednesday. <laughs> this isn't real. This isn't real. This is real. The young <laughs> This the, is not real. The young adult snakes were hidden in the inner thigh of his pants in snake bags tied to the pants drawstring. This isn't real. Yeah. This Three. Is, so this is so I guess the ruling just happened mm -hmm. to, with this fine and whatever in New York. It says this is Calvin Batista crossed into northern New York with the hidden snakes on a bus. From Montreal to New York on July 15th, 2018. Remember when we used to have a secure border? In 2018. Yeah. 
nowadays shit forget that like i was watching the news there's like uh, uh 10,000 chinese nationals now crossing into you, the us you, you like, think... forget snakes you weren't able to get snakes through now it's like anything can get through this border you, did you you think the burmese snakes if they came across today would get asylum Oh, 100%. 100%. Each one of these snakes gets a hotel room in New York City. (laughs) They get walk-around money. They get to rob stores. You know where they don't get asylum? The state of Florida, where Ron DeSantis has a wanted poster out for pythons. He does, doesn't he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. There's bounties. They'd be dead. Right. They wouldn't even get the bus to New York City. Calvin Bautista knew that. That's why he took his three pythons up to New York City. Is is it like a real trade here? He's going to sell these snakes? That's the thing? I I guess. I don't know why. So this may be TMI. I I once knew, I had a buddy who had a pet snake, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, it's like a normal pet. I, I told him, no. Stupid idea. You Everyone pet, knows. You, you pet your friend's snake I smug? I n- never touched it because here's the other thing is snakes are covered in urine. They've got no legs. They shit, they pee, and they slither around in it. So when you are having a pet snake, every time you pick it up and try to show people, you're covered in, in snake urine. It's disgusting. Like these are, these, are, these are deranged people who have it as a pet in the first place. These snakes should be put to death. Ashbrook, you ever uh, pet a snake? No. No? No, it's disgusting. Is that all you want to say? I think we should take uh, the advice of Governor Doug Burgum, step on the head, pull it off. That's right. Skin the snake, put it on a boot. That's it. You skin them and you turn them into nachos. That's the only use for a snake. Clean it. Clean it before you you do anything. Clean it, skin it. Use the skin for boots. Use the meat for nachos. Uh, well, that's uh, that's fantastic, fellas. Let's get to this uh, minimum wage story because this is some wild shit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, there's a Senate race going on out there, and they're all trying to one-up each other on how brain-dead and left-wing they can be. Rep Barbara Lee in California Senate race says minimum wage should be raised to $50. Candidates vying for California's U.S. Senate seat met on stage Monday for a relatively tame second debate where California's cost of living was raised as a key issue. Barbara Lee, former mayor of Oakland, discussed a proposal to raise the minimum wage to $50 an hour. And, and this, again, this is like binomics on steroids right here because they're like, boy, California's got a high cost of living. It can't be that we tax everything to hell. Uh, we should demand that so many companies who are already trying to leave our state, they raise the minimum wage to 50 an hour. Let's put them out of business. Let's cause more inflation. Yeah. And be like, oh, no, what happened? Looks like we need to raise minimum wage to 100 an hour. <laughs> like, rinse, repeat, bad ideas. And there's a, so uh, a, a guy on Twitter was saying that, like, you know, it breaks my heart. I'm having to move my family from California. My dad lived here. My grandparents lived here. This is just, this is sad because mm-hmm. it's, it's people who live there who actually love the state, no matter how tough things have gotten, no matter how bad things have gotten under total Democrat control, who actually love it because they grew up there. And it's not so easy, you know, if your family's from there, to just pick up and leave. Right. Because these people have, these Democrats have turned it into a hellhole. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. It is, uh, it's very funny and sort of speaks to, like, the current state of the Democrat Party that we went from fight for 15 to, like, Ooh, yeah. the the kid at McDonald's should be making 100 grand a year. That, that, <laughs> yeah, 15 hours over 100 grand. Yeah. 50 an hour, 40 hours a week. For 52 weeks. Yeah, I think that math checks that out. That does. 104,000. That's and, and everybody knows what will happen. We talked about robots and how smart they're getting and AI yeah. and how yeah. AI is making dog videos. 
uh, AI can run a McDonald's start to finish without being paid $50 an hour. Uh, yeah, dude. McDonald's is going to turn into an ATM machine. That is a great point. You put in your money and you get a burger. We off. went from fight to 15 to fight for 50 in yeah. like two years. Yeah. Unreal. Right. And think, about, think about, I mean, it's why at grocery stores you have self-checkout lines. Minimum wage is the reason for those. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not because grocery uh, store uh, owners are like, you know what, I don't want to employ in, uh, people to smile at the customers. They're like, I can't afford it. Do you so, use self-checkout? 50-50. Um, really? Do you? It uh, depends on where the line is shorter, how yeah, many things I have. If I'm getting a couple of things, like real quick, wow. I'll, I'll do self-checkout. But if I'm like with the kids and stuff, no. I mean, that's part of the experience. Yeah, I, never. Never. You, you don't use self-checkout. If you want me to scan and bag, you've got to pay me. I'm not gonna, that's the most ridiculous thing. Like, here, show up and you get to play grocery clerk for free? Yeah. Hell no, not, so, not like, happening. Self-checkout is like the spirit airlines of, yeah. of grocery I don't shopping. care how long the line is, man. I can tune out and zone out in the line. But like, here, you're now an employee. The The, the, the salary is zero. Enjoy. Well, length, not happening. Length of line is is always the, de the determining factor for me. If, if I can just walk through and just scan, scan, done, then I go through. I can do self-checkout. Beautiful. And a beautiful episode with two beautiful gentlemen. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad uh, we were able to do this on President's Day. I'm really sorry our friend uh, Josh Holmes couldn't join us. But, guys, I think this was sort of a banger of an episode. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode. Gentlemen, thank you so much to our listeners. You should be viewers. So subscribe to our YouTube and enjoy video along with the audio. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.